If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. Verse number one, I'll let you find that. How many know that our minds are a powerful thing? Don't we know this? You know, we can, we, can, we can convince ourselves that we are a certain way. Let me give you an example. How many of you ever, ever use the phrase, man, such and such, or maybe so-and-so uh, is making me sick? Have you ever said that before? You know, if you, if you say it enough, I guarantee you, you will start to feel sick. Because the power of your mind to, to control uh, or, or, or that, that we allow it to control our bodies. And it even controls how we feel because we have allowed it to do so. There was a show back in the day, and I'm sure you are very familiar with it, a show called Fear Factor. And I'm sure everyone enjoyed watching it. Why? Uh, because you were watching it from the comfort of your home. You didn't have to do all those things that they were doing. And so, you know, you may have been cheering them on and you may, you may have been, you know, you know, saying, oh, you know, come on, you know, do it. You know, what's wrong with you? But you know that you would never in a million years do what they were doing. I remember one of those things that, that would always get my attention that I enjoyed watching was when they would eat these gross things. You know, the stunts, you know, ah, you know, whatever. But the eating really grabbed my attention. And I remember they would, they would eat things that, that I wouldn't even dare touch. I wanted no part of it. You know, they would, they would lay in a, in, a, in a bucket of snakes and I don't know if we have any snake charmers in here. You know, you just know how to, how to speak to them snakes and they do what you want. But I'm not going into a bucket of snakes. You couldn't pay me enough. You know, I, I take that back. One condition, if I can wear an astronaut suit, then I will go in the snake pit. Other than that, I'm not doing it. So there you go, that's my one condition. But they would, they would eat these they would eat these. These giant, I remember, I know you remember watching this. These giant, I think they were called Madagascar hissing cockroaches. Now, I'm not a fan of roaches. Small or big, don't, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, dislike them all. I'm, I'm sure they serve their purpose on earth. I don't know what it is and I don't really care. You know, they would, they, would, they would say, you know, you know, uh, you know, they were raised, you know, in a certain place. You know, they weren't just roaches off the street or in someone's house. <laughs> you know, they just did, like, you know, fumigation and they brought the roaches onto Fear Factor. No, they were raised on a farm. I don't care where they were raised. I'm not putting them in my mouth. And they would eat these things and I would think, oh, my goodness, how are they doing that? What has... What has possessed them? They must be demon-possessed, right? <laughs> For sure they're not Christians because a Christian would have more wisdom than that. <laughs> Maybe they were just hard up and they needed some cash. 
wouldn't do it. And I was thinking, man, it's the power of the mind. Because someone would have to psych themselves out enough to say, you know what, let's do this. Let's put this big old bug into my mouth. Oh, I remember when they ate potato bugs. Oh, jeez. I have stories as a kid that I won't tell you about potato bugs. But when I watched them eat that, my stomach turned. I almost threw up just watching them. It was disgusting. It's the power of the mind. Maybe they had to think that they were eating something else. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm eating a giant, you know, Tommy's cheeseburger right now. <laughs> yeah, sort of the same, right? <laughs> I love Tommy's though. I think of tightropers. When they're, when they're walking that tightrope, I don't know if we have anyone that, that's afraid of heights in here. But what's the one thing people tell you when you're up somewhere high? Don't look down, right? You know it. Don't look down. Why? Because the power of the mind. You see, if you do something without knowing uh, uh, what, what maybe the dangers are or what is lurking underneath, you can do that. But once you look down, you see the danger and you see what can happen and you don't want to fall off that wire, and fear begins to grip your mind. Someone said this, they said, a, a person's mind is so powerful, we can invent, create, experience, and destroy things with thoughts alone. You see, all these things take place before they even leave our bodies. It's all taking place in our mind. We can feel defeated before we even start something. And it'll cause us to never even try. I, had t I titled this message, What's Your Mind Set On? What's your mind set on? Because this is a question that Paul is asking us here. In Colossians chapter three and verse one through four in the Amplified Version, he says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value, but you, for you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. He says to set your mind. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, do you need your mind reset? See, contrary to popular belief, our mind does not have a mind of its own. Many times people use this to, to, as, a, as an excuse for bad behavior. Right? 
Well, my mind has a mind of its own. We've never heard people use this for, for good things that we've done. You know, you never heard someone, you know, win a championship and then during their speech they say, well, you know what? My mind has a mind of its own. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what took place. I don't know what I did out there, to be honest with you. My mind just has a mind of its own. No, that person takes full credit for what they did. Why? Because they understand that, that there, was, there was a lot uh, involved and they understood what they were doing while they were doing it. It wasn't just by accident. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, your mind can be renewed. There is control over your mind. Don't think that your mind controls you. No, you control your thoughts. How do you do this? By what you allow into your life. What you allow into your ears. What you allow into your eyes. Have you opened doors to allow certain things to take place into your life? And now you're having these thoughts. And now you're thinking things that normally you wouldn't think about. And, you're, and, and, and now you're sitting there thinking, well, why am I even thinking about this? Well, what did you open a door to in your life? What is it that you've let seep in? You may not have done it intentionally, but sometimes we do. But we need to be careful. See, to set means to direct with fixed attention. Just like this morning, hopefully, prayerfully, you are setting your attention on what is being spoken on this morning. Hopefully, hopefully whatever's on your cell phone isn't, isn't to you more important than the word of God. And so you set your attention on things. We do this purposely. We do this intentionally. We do this in conversation. When you're talking to someone, do you, do you mind if that person is looking the other way while you're talking to them? Or will you say something, hey, come on, man, eyes on me. I'm saying something here. No, you would hope that they are paying attention. You know, this is when you have individuals, you know, who could, who could hear conversations, you know, 20, 30 feet away while you're having a conversation with them two feet away. Because they weren't really listening to you. They were paying attention to, to, the, to the couple arguing across the room. <laughs> what are they saying? What's the, what's the, what's the 411? To direct with fixed attention. Who directs? We direct, right? We direct our mind. We direct our thoughts. You have the power to do so. You have the ability. It doesn't control you. What are you fixed on today? Are you fixed upon circumstances in your life? Are you, are you fixed upon uh, what bills you have to pay? Are you fixed upon uh, maybe, maybe a bad health report that you got from the doctor? Are you fixed upon uh, uh, the, the uh, stock market? You know, it's no wonder 
why we find ourselves overwhelmed in life. Because we have to look at what we are fixing our attention on in life. What is it that you have set your mind on? Because it's going to dictate your thoughts and your actions. You ever been so fixed on something that you didn't, you, you didn't quite see something that was very important for you to see? I remember I was uh, chasing, chasing a ball that went in the street. Um, and I remember running into the street and I forgot that the curb was right there because I was focused so much on that ball going in the street and missed the curb. And how many know that, you know, you have to, you, you have to get your body to move for that, for that curb, right? You can't just go off and you think you're going to make it. You got to prepare your legs. And so my legs weren't prepared. And so I went down that curb and down went my body too, right onto the pavement. Because I didn't see what was up ahead. I was so fixed on this that I ended up tripping on something else. But how many know that when, when our eyes are fixed on the Lord, when our eyes are fixed on his goodness and his plan, how many know that God is going to protect us, amen? We're not gonna trip on those curbs. Why? Because God is gonna put like that spiritual ramp for us when we go to that curb that we're just gonna, we're gonna go smooth right down uh, as we follow him. Paul says, I want you to fix your mind on things above, so much so that the distractions around you cannot even serve their purpose. What is the purpose of distractions, anyone? Yeah, there we go. Someone was here this morning, because this is a, this is a you know, very you know, profound answer right here, so they had to have been here this morning. The purpose of a distraction is to distract. That's it. That's what a distraction does. It distracts you from whatever you were doing. Till this day, I don't know why they have, I don't know why uh, the, the, the states allow billboards on the side of freeways. I don't know it. That makes zero sense. If you want less accidents, yes, let's put up more billboards. Distractions, this is what it does in our lives. But Paul says that I want you to be so fixed on the Lord and so fixed on where he is taking you that the, the distractions that try to pull you away cannot even serve their purpose. I want to look at three things here that Paul focuses in on uh, in our text in Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4, and I have them underlined for you to follow along. Number one is that we were risen with Christ. If we are to set our minds on things above, Paul's giving us some helpful tools. How many of you, how many of you enjoy help? Do you guys, you guys like help in things? Yes, or maybe, or maybe you, you know, you know, some of you cabezones, you know, just like to do it your own way. Don't be so stubborn. Turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't be so stubborn. 
Receive the help, amen? And Paul gives us some helpful tools here on how to set our mind on things above. Number one is that we were risen with Christ. Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean? That means that that old man, that old woman, they are gone. They are gone. God has given you a new start. God has given you a, a, a new beginning. And some of you think, well, how is that even possible? Because I could still remember all the things that I've done. I just did it yesterday. I just did it two hours ago. What am I supposed to you know, forget all of these things that I did? God forgets them all. God decided to forgive you for everything that you've done. God decided to love you despite all your imperfections and downfalls. See, many times we find ourselves in places of, of discouragement or, or uh, getting down on ourselves because we're the own judge over our life. See, God has forgiven us for our sins, but many times we haven't forgiven ourselves. Many times we can't let go of things. And Paul is saying, you are starting anew. Whatever you've done in the past, leave it in the past, and let's move forward in Christ. Let's move forward in him because he has given us new direction. We hear about this miraculous power at work when someone gives a testimony. I was thinking just what, what took place yesterday, hearing individuals give their testimonies. And what I was hearing from them was the person that they used to be and the person that they are now in Christ. And I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, wow. That's, that's, a, that's, the, that's the miraculous power of God to transform a life. You can't do that on your own. There ain't no 12-step program that's going to help you transform like God is going to help you transform. And I'm not, I'm not downing any programs. You know, those, those are very, very useful. But I'm saying let God work in your life. Allow him to transform you. Allow him to get you on the right path. Because otherwise you're just gonna be searching. Otherwise you're gonna be going from program to program, looking for a fix or repair, not, not the fix. <laughs> for repair. <laughs> That's a bad place to go for a fix, I would think. <laughs> I don't know. But let God do that work in your life. See, when we lose focus of God's direction, oftentimes we can find ourselves complaining about life. I did this earlier, and I'm sure I'll get the same response this service. How many of you, by the raising of your hands, have complained about something this past week? 
This is how common it is. You see, many of you may think, well, you're, you know, why, why, am, why, am I, why am I complaining so much? Why do, I, why do I say these things and why do I do these things? Well, guess what? You're surrounded by a bunch of complainers as well. So you're in the right place. <laughs> you're in the right place this morning. Let's let God help us together, amen? How about that? I used to think in life that people who complained had a lot of problems. But I've come to realize in life that people have a lot of problems because they complain. We bring it upon ourselves. See, the murmurings and the grumblings of complaint are evidence in our lives that we are dissatisfied with the way God is doing things. This is exactly what's taking place. You may not, you may not knowingly say it, or intentionally do it, but this is what is happening. Why? Because God's word says that he is working things out for our good, right? Is this true or is this not true? Good. We have an understanding. God is working things out for our good. So if we're complaining about things, what are we saying about God's plan? God, you made a mistake. God, I think you allowed something into my life that should not have been allowed. Lord, I think your angels are taking a nap here. I don't know what's going on, but you better get on them. Come on. We tend to see it as a failure on God's end. When in fact, God has you right where he wants you. And God has positioned you right where he needs you to be. And God is doing a good work, and he is going to complete that good work if you would just move forward in him. See, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, we need to act like it. Don't walk around, eyes to the ground, Absorbed with all the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what God is doing in your life. Be alert to his calling in your life and his directing. See things from his perspective. Number two. Number two is that we are dead to sin. This doesn't mean that we are sinless. No, only Jesus was sinless. What it means, that the power of sin has been broken in our lives. You're no longer bound. You're free, right? You're free to go. If you have, a, if you have a, 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 an inmate that is, that is freed from jail or prison, does that person say, no, I wanna stay here. I don't wanna go home. Unless home is just that bad. <laughs> I don't want to go home. Keep me here. No, no one says that. They walk out those doors as free men or, 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 or women. They walk out. They don't even look back. They probably even run, I'm assuming. I know I would. Man, I'd hightail it out of there. You wouldn't even see me. But God says, you are free. Those bondages of sin are broken in your life. Why are you staying locked up? Get out of that cell. 
Get out of those, get out of those bars. I've opened those bars for you to walk up and out. What are you doing still in this spot? You're free. You're free. You're free. The bondage of sin has been broken. Paul says in Romans 6, 6, we are no longer slaves of sin for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Your old life is dead. Which means that your your new life, your, your real life, even though it may be invisible to others, is with Christ in God. He is your life, amen? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he is my life. I remember when, uh, before my wife and I were dating, we were probably about 16, 17 years old, and I can't remember what I, what I had said, but I'm sure it was in reference to, to uh, cause we, were, you know, we weren't uh, a couple or anything like that. I think I was making reference to like how, how I thought she liked me, right? So I was probably poking fun. So she turns to me and says, Daniel, you're not my life. <laughs> Just you're not my life. You see, what she was telling me, what I think she was telling me, if I could, you know, get, you know in knowing her and why she would say that, what I think she was saying was, Daniel, I don't think about you that much to even care about what you just said. <laughs> I don't go home and think, what, did, what, did, what would Daniel do? What does Daniel think? You're not that important to me. <laughs> Little did she know. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it all along. You're not my life. Man, I never forget that. All it did was it gave me, you know, more of a push to, to be like, no, I'm going to get you one day. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's the woman I want to marry. <laughs> you see, we have a new life. The Bible says that, that you are God's and he is yours. Amen? You are God's and he is yours. He is your life. You are his life. Amen? Someone shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You are God's life. He loves you. He sent his son for you. Every day he shows you how much he loves you through his grace and his mercy. The definition of fix, as we're saying, set your mind to fix your mind, uh, is to mend or repair. And how many know that we need some repairing in our minds? We need some repairing. But in order to fix your mind on the things above, first we need God to fix our minds, amen? Maybe from past experiences, you know, maybe we have a hard time trusting God because of our past hurts, past letdowns. So you have a hard time trusting that God is gonna stay faithful to you and not let you down. Maybe you have a hard time thinking or dwelling on that God is good because of all the bad situations in your life. See, past experiences affect us. Our minds are in desperate need of repair. Number three here is we are soon to be like Christ. I remember back in the early 90s, Gatorade, 
came out with this commercial, and I'm sure you remember it. Uh, it, it, was, it was like Mike. You guys remember that one? Michael Jordan. Everyone wanted to be like Michael Jordan. The song said, like Mike, if I can just, if I can be like Mike. Every kid back, in, back when, when I was growing up wanted to be like Michael Jordan. It didn't matter what team you liked back then, because I was a Lakers fan, still am. But I saw Michael Jordan play, and I was like, wow, wow, this guy's awesome. How does he do what he does? He seems to defy gravity, right? It's like he jumps and never comes down. It's like, who, who is this? Is he even human? He seems to be at his best when the game is on the line. That's when, that's when everything just changes. And I remember every kid wanting to be like Michael Jordan. I remember shooting hoops in my driveway and I would act like I was Michael, right? And I'd be like, all right, Michael, three seconds in the game, three-point line, he shoots. And if I missed it, then I would do it all over again until I made it, right? Because Jordan would have made it. So if I missed it, I would just keep doing it all over again. And normally it took a little while because, you know, three-pointers are pretty tough. The first part of that verse of, the, of that commercial was, sometimes I dream that he is me. Sometimes I dream that he is me. That's exactly what I was doing. I don't know if I had dreams about it, but when I was awake, <laughs> I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. I wish that I can do the things that he does. I wish that I can play basketball like him. I wish that I could win championships like he does. I wish that I had the charisma that he had. Everyone just kind of flocked to him. He was so cool. On and off the court. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. But how many of us now, how many of us now want to be like Christ? How many of you adults have now grown up and said, you know what, being like a, being like a superstar was, eh, you know, that was for the birds. You know, that was, that was good when I was 10, 11 years old. But I want to be like Christ. I want to model my life after him. So what do I have to do in order to make that happen in my life? You see, because to be like a superstar like Jordan, there was a lot of practice. It didn't, it didn't just happen to him. Yes, I'm sure he was, he was talented from the beginning, but he had, to, he had to work on these talents, on these giftings. Uh, he had to put time and effort into growing these talents and giftings in his life. And with us, it's no different in our walk with Christ. If we are to model Christ, if we are to be imitators of him, if we are to look like him, then we need to study him. We need to do the things he does. We need to talk the way he talks. We need to love how he loves. We need to forgive how he forgives. We need to have patience how he has patience. Amen? Why? Because you, you, you recall the patience he had with the 12 disciples and, and how many of us, you know, you know are, are, are ready to, to just dismiss someone after one time that they do this thing to you. You're like, I'm done with you. 
Once is enough. You don't get an opportunity to fool me twice. God is so patient with us. Paul says that this is our practice stage to be imitators of Christ right here and right now. To get your mind to focus on God things, his character, that God is love, God is faithful, God is caring, God is in control, God has a plan, God has a purpose, and this will be completed, amen? See, when you set or fix your mind on things of God, you will also have his peace in your life. Setting your mind on things above, being thankful for what God has done for you, entering in the, into, the, into the season of thanksgiving. Are you thankful for what God has done for you? Are, you? are you thankful for the Father that you have in him? I can honestly say that God has never let me down. I can honestly say that. Yes, certain things may not have taken place on my timing, but God's timing is always best. And it's those things that I see after the fact that, I, that then I come to an understanding that God knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't need me to question it. In fact, many times, all the time, I get in the way of what he is doing in my life. My logical thinking will get in the way of God's working. So we need God to fix our minds with all the things in this world and in our lives today that try to pull our minds elsewhere. We need more than ever to fix our minds. We need more than ever some repairing. What is it in your mind today that needs fixing? What is it that you need to do to set your mind on things above. As every head is bowed,